Jim Jarrett, the Boss Man Show this week. Got a great show for you. And as we promised you last week, we'll be joined by the Stephen F. Austin, new head coach of the Lumberjacks. He was at Texas A&M. He was also at Oklahoma State. Tony Allen, the guy we had on the show before in Kansas, throwing on a cow killer on the Boss Man Show. Coach, how you doing this morning, sir? Man, I'm good, Boss Man. How you doing this morning? Hey, I'm doing good. Can't complain. Another great week here in ATL. August is here, and you know what? It's it's getting closer to that time of the year for you guys where you guys get to get on the court with your guys some more. That's right. We're excited around here, and our guys have worked hard this summer, and it's been a lot of fun and getting to know each other and and uh, working hard, and we're just finishing up summer school. We've got about a week left, and our guys have put in that time to get better and, and uh, you know, just grinding through it. Oh, I hear that, Coach. And, Coach, how did that July traveling period, recruiting period go for you guys? I know you got to get on the road a little bit there. And So, how, do you see any guys you ain't able to bring in for next season and beyond, some guys you think you make you get your hands on there? You know, we signed a couple guys from Atlanta, you know, a kid from, from uh, MLK, Keybon Harris this past spring, who, who um, tough, hard-nosed kid, junkyard dog, um, who's been great for us this summer. And then we signed a point guard this past spring. Um, Aaron Augustine played for Charm over at Miller Grove, you know, set the school record in assists. Um, who's been exciting for us? Quick, tough kid. And, you know, we only have one senior on our team for the 16, 17 year. And we've got a guy committed, uh, to fill that scholarship. So recruiting's been real good for us. You know, as much as they won here at SFA, um, you know, everybody seems like that, that we've kind of touched and put our hands on at this level, at least, uh, has wanted to come join us. So it's been exciting and, you know, it's been successful. So we just got to make sure we've picked the right ones to come play for us. Exactly. And as you saw, I thought you heard you say hard nosed guys that play hard. So I know you want the guys that are going to play hard to give it to you every night as well. And coach, do you feel like the familiarity with the area of being in Texas? You know, you're coaching the Big 12, kind of know that area, and also coming out here to, to Georgia to get kids. Do you know where the hotbeds are? They'll give you a little bit of advantage when you're going out and recruit against these other coaches in your conference. You know, I don't know if I, I – I hope that with some of my experiences and the people I've been able to meet uh, the last 17 years, you referenced it earlier, guys like Tony Allen and and, you know, those kind of people – you know, I've been blessed. I consider, you know, Hall of Fame guys and Eddie Sutton and Bill Self and, and the latest guy, you know, Billy Kennedy at A&M, you know, able to win the SEC last year. Um, you know, I've been, I've been fortunate. Those 26 guys have played in the NBA. And, you know, it's not about me. It's about those guys with the great hearts and, and guys that, w- that w- want to work hard. I think we've got a great blueprint to make kids better. And I think kids, you know, want to get, get better. And all kids, you know, at this age, um, that's the whole deal, is skill development. And I think if they get in here and work, we'll make them better. And at this school here, you know, they're known for being so tough. And, you know, obviously, you know, they beat West Virginia, which, you know, Coach Huggins does an unbelievable job. And, and you know, and but that's what they feel like and toughness and they were tipping away from going to sweet 16 last year and they want to get to that second weekend and that's what's you know to me that's when that tournament starts and that's what we're trying to accomplish here and 
the thing that we look for at our place here is an everyday guy. A guy that doesn't matter, raining, windy, gritty, grimy. We want these guys playing the black top. It doesn't matter. Gonna get in here and be and bump and grind with you. Well, I hear that, folks. We're joined by a calculator here on the Boss Man Show. Now, Coach, I was at the SEC Championship game when you guys played Kentucky. This seemed like it was a Kentucky home game at the bridge on the road. Oh, <laughs> so I said, like, wow, this is a home game right here for Kentucky. But you guys played them tough anyway, and still you be being at your place at Texas A&M, and that was a tough game you guys played. But you ever been in a tournament where it's like a, a pretty much a Kentucky Invitational like that? You know, I've never been in a conference tournament game like that where I felt like it was in Rupp Arena. I'm sitting next to, in the second half, I'm sitting next to Alex Caruso. He'd come out for a breather after the second media timeout. And it was a tremendous atmosphere. And I'm sitting next to Caruso. And it was, I thought it was a great game. And I told him, I said, man, this is like a Sweet 16 Elite, elite 8 level game. Except, and I told him this. I said, you take away this crowd. I said, that's the level of play. Because guys are, if you remember, Daniel House was phenomenal. And Ulysses, you know, was great that game. And, and Briscoe made plays that he had made, in my opinion, all year long. He, he was great. And it was just a tremendous atmosphere. That blue, big blue nation, you know, I thought wheeled those kids back into the game. And I thought our guys were unbelievable down the stretch to get it into overtime. And, you know, it's a great play. You know, it, I thought it toughened us up to allow us to get to the Sweet 16, allow us to make that epic comeback against Northern Iowa, you know, get us to the Sweet 16. And it's just a lot of fun. I thought I, I thought it was a lot of fun. That, that's what you play college basketball for, to do that kind of stuff. And, and it's a memory. Hopefully those kids are on that team. And for me, for sure, to experience. It was like, you know, you hate losing, but to play in that environment, you know, that's what you coach for. Exactly. And speaking of coaches, uh, Coach, who were, I know you worked for some great guys. Uh, what are some of the things you took away from the previous coaches you worked for as you go into your job now, Stephen F. Austin being the head man now in charge? You know, the one thing they all have in common is they care about those kids. They're going to coach them hard on the court, but when they leave that court, and they're going to love them up. And, and whatever happened on that court, it's done. You know, and, and they care about them first. They care about those kids, their well-being, their life. You know, that's the most important thing. And that's where I've taken away from all of them is they pour into those kids. They think about them not only as basketball players, but their academics, their life. And, and, and if they do whatever is most important for them first, they think about them first, then whatever happens, you know, that will translate to them being successful on the court. I think that's what prepared me and allowed me to make decisions on who to hire and who to recruit and will allow us to be successful. But they're all great men, great Christian men, and they think about those kids first versus themselves. They have unbelievable, unselfish thoughts, and that's why they've been successful and won championships. Yes, indeed. And, Coach, I know there's another big part about it when you're in a mid-major level school is the non-conference scheduling. And, you know, playing a high-major school, you really don't want to play sometime the good mid-majors. Cause, so how's it been on the other side of it now, having to try to schedule games for the future and this year? And how did you see this going forward, trying to get these games for your guys down at Stephen F. Austin and going on the road and playing quality opponents? You know, it's been hard. And, 
no thanks to my predecessors and Danny Casper and Brad Underwood. I mean, they've won so much here. And, you know, in the last five years, they've won the third, you know, they got the third most winningest program in the country. And, you know, in the last three years, when Brad was here, the second winningest program, only behind Villanova. So it's not like, you know, people are just saying, hey, we're just going to sign, you know, SFA up to play. But fortunately, you know, I think that because of where I've been and what I've done and relationships, you know, I just reached out to ESPN when I got here said, hey, we'll play anybody anywhere. And I've let the network do a lot of the, the schedule for me. And, you know, we're on ESPN like six or seven times before Christmas because of what people have done way before me. And people want to watch these teams play. And, and to be honest with you, boss man, we lost like six guys off our team, so nobody thinks we're going to be any good. So, you know, they've been more apt to play us this year. So hopefully, you know, the, the schools that want to play us this year are wrong, I hope. And, uh, you know, we'll get a chance to uh, prove them wrong. And uh, talk about the aforementioned Kentucky squad, that's who we get to start our season with, which probably won't be very much fun. But I appreciate them allowing us to play them. Is it is it at Rupp or is it on a different site game? No, no, no we get to go to Rupp. We get to oh, go to Rupp. Okay. So we're all going to get to grind our teeth, and I get to, you know, go in there and let Coach Cal beat my brains in the first game. <laughs> so that won't be hey. a lot of fun. Hey, it's no shame losing to Coach Cal at Rupp. It's no shame in that. <laughs> no shame in that. <laughs> at all. Hey, I understand that, Coach. And, Coach, I want to ask you about Tony Allen. He's a guy who I'm very close to. I cover the Grizzlies a lot as well, outside of the Hawks and the, and the Hornets. And the guy's just a heck of a defender. How he prepares to defend somebody is, is just all world and all, all class. Did you see that in him at OK State, or is this kind of something he could develop when he got into the NBA? No, no, no. That, that's who he is. Man, he's about that toughness. And he has great pride, as you well know. You know, his heart is as big as a lion. He's got that valentine. And, and, and he's got unbelievable pride in being successful. And that's what he does. And and he's a huge winner. You know, led us to the Final Four while he was at Oklahoma State. And, and he's one of the toughest dudes, in, in my opinion, of whoever I've coached. And if not the toughest. And he's about winning. And... Whatever he has to do to make a team successful. You, you know, most people don't realize this. Obviously, he's a player of the year in our league, but, you know, he averaged about 17 points a game, could, could make threes in college. But I think whatever he has to do to help his team win, that's what he does. And doesn't matter. On those teams that with the Celtics and with the Grizz, he doesn't need to score. So he sacrifices all his energy to play on that defensive end and understands what he needs to do to help every team win. And that's who he is. He's the most selfless player I've ever been around. I thank you so much for that, Coach. I say he's a great guy. I let him know I'm going to have you on the show. So he, he's definitely aware of it. So he definitely knows. So, Coach Keller, I want to tell you, man, thank you for your time this, this morning. I look forward to talking to you again in the future, and I'll be watching your, your team. Hopefully I can come up there and, up and see you guys play. Lex is not, not that far from Atlanta, so hopefully I can make that trip up there. Now, like I said, I, sh- I shot you my number off the air, so, you know, you have it. So look forward to working with your coach down the road, man. Boss, man, anytime you want me on, I'll be on for you. All right, thanks, Coach. Have a great day, man. Yes, sir. Bye-bye.
back and enjoy the Boss Man Show. Uh, we have a let's keep on the theme of having new coaches on our show this week. Is we just talked to Kyle Keller, Stephen F. Austin. We're going to talk to the Columbia Lions' new head coach, Jim Ingles, on the Boss Man Show. Coach Ingles is a coach who was coaching in Newark and in, in, in JIT and moved across the river to Columbia now. So, Coach didn't have to move that very far. I move it all. I don't know. We'll ask him, Coach Ingles, how you doing, <laughs> sir? <laughs> I'm great, JR. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Like I said, Coach, did you have to move? Did you move across the river? You kind of stayed in New Jersey where you already at, or just kind of say, hey, let me, let me just go on over there and be on that side of the river and be cool with it. How would you do that, Coach? Yeah, you know, I might be one of the only coaches who can probably say this. I've had, uh, I've lived in the same house for the last four jobs I've had. So it's been, I worked at Ryder, um, I worked at Columbia, and then I worked at NGIT, now back at Columbia again. So in the world of coaching, when you're able to stay in the same house and your family doesn't really get affected very much, I think it's it's sort of, uh, you can't put a price on that. So I've been very blessed to be able to do that. Yes, indeed, Coach. You've been very blessed. Hey, coach, you know what, Dr. T, my last four radio jobs, I've had to move four different cities. So, <laughs> so just... I know, it's tough. It's tough, you know. you got to just packing <laughs> everything up and moving around. It's just such such a dramatic difference for everybody. So I'm really happy to be able to, to go back to Columbia. The way I did, Coach, is I kept my house in Nashville, Tennessee. So, Nashville was pretty good for, to Atlanta, Charlotte, Memphis, where I worked at. So, I kept my house in Nashville. So, on the weekends, I go to Nashville. Go back to my home. So, I was stay in a hotel during the week, but go back home on the weekend to my house. So, that's how I kind of got away with it. But it's like, man, you know, with the same house for years, it would be cool, man. It would be cool. <laughs> yeah, it, it really has been pretty cool. So my wife is extremely excited about that as well. Yeah, and Coach, I said, what does it mean to you now to be able to lead Columbia? You said in the past, you get to lead them now, put your own staff on in the university and in the community. So what does that mean to you right now, Coach? Uh, you know, it's funny. It's uh, Columbia, i just been working at Columbia for five years as, a, as an assistant coach. Um, I had such a wonderful experience there, and it really – opened up the opportunity for me to be a head coach at the division at really at any level um you know just having columbia on my resume and and being able to to network with the people that i was able to meet and um so i just i always had a very special affinity for columbia uh, when i left and you know having the opportunity to be a, a head coach at the ngit was something i obviously couldn't pass up but when the opportunity became available again to come back as the head coach it was something that i knew I always wanted to do. And, um, you know, obviously a lot of the reasons why were because of this special experience I had there with the first time I was there. And also because, um, because of the, what we just spoke about, you know, being able to stay local, not having to move and being comfortable with all the people that are there. So, um, you know, it's really, it's, it's, it's really was a natural fit and a natural progression for me as, as a, in my career. And I'm really excited to have the opportunity to come back as the head coach. And coach, like you see, I, I, I was telling my off there to my staff, I was like, "Hey, for him to leave NJIT to be very, very special to go back to Columbia where he already coached it." So I know you, he had success there, he had a great year there at NJIT, and I said, "So, so yeah, to go to Columbia, you had to be something special for you to go there." And what's special about coaching in the Ivy League? I know it's a little different rules about the Ivy League for his workouts and things, scholarships and that nature. So, if you could share with us, like, how is it different coaching in the Ivy League from coaching at regular D one school? Yeah, I mean, the Ivy League has, it's really, um, it has that true, I guess, um, the way they set it up. You know, the rules are a little bit different. Like, if I was still at NJIT, we'd be able to do a lot with our guys in the summertime if uh, if they're back in summer school and 
would be actually having some practices and you're not allowed to really to do that type of stuff in the summer. So they try to, they try to really lessen a little bit of the pressures that the kids are under when they, when they are not only uh, athletes, but also as just a regular student. So there are some rules that you have to abide by, which in a lot of ways make a lot of sense. Um, and just being at a place like Columbia, because uh, the different, you know, just the differences with, with NJIT and Columbia, it's, it's, uh, the Ivy League itself, the one thing that I experienced when I was an assistant was you could legitimately recruit against anybody. Um, you can recruit against Stanford or, you know, Duke or Kentucky. I mean, you can see some of what some of the schools have done, especially the school like Harvard. Uh, it's become like a national type league. Uh, so you can recruit anywhere and you have the resources to do it. Um, but in a lot of ways, there's not that pressure where, you know, you're in front of 18, 20,000 people every night and you're not on TV every single night. So there's, there's a good perspective, I think, not only on the academic piece, but also on the athletic piece for the kids. It gives them, it gives them a whole experience rather than just, uh, just you know, playing, just playing sports. Well, I hear that, Coach. Folks, we're joined by Jim Ingles here on the Boss Man Show here in the ATL for you guys out there listening on the Boss Radio Network. And, uh, Coach, when it comes to recruiting, I've got to say, uh, kind of earlier, earlier, Coach, said, hey, you're in the same area still. you same hotbeds you used to go to, you can still go to now to get guys. And do you feel like being able to target guys to the Ivy League now would be better for you going forward because, hey, it's the it's the Ivy League, you know, playing Harvard, the Darbys of the world. So you feel like that, that will help you as well, being at Columbia, will help you with getting more guys on your rosters with more quality talent, do you think? Yeah, I mean, when we were at NJIT, uh, it was a very, very strong academic school. So there was there was a, uh, there were some similarities to a lot of the kids that we were trying to recruit. But at NJIT, it was more a local, uh, local recruiting base because it was a New Jersey State school and when we inherited the program in NJIT, we hadn't had any success. So it was very hard to, to generate a lot of excitement from recruits across the country. So we really just sort of looked at New York, New Jersey, and, and Pennsylvania kids to, uh, to the Northeastern type kids to sort of build our program. Whereas at a place like Columbia, because of the brand name of the education and the Ivy League itself, you know, we can call up kids from around the country and actually from around the world. And they're very intrigued and very interested to hear what we have to say. So. Um, there's a lot of different things that the, the, the brand, the Ivy League and the brand of Columbia can help us and open up the doors for us uh, from a recruiting standpoint. So we've had to sort of expand our base from when we were at NJIT, and that's one of the things I think we're trying to catch up. Recruiting has become such an, an accelerated and fast-paced business now. Um, a lot of the guys in the Ivy League who were coaches before, uh, that were there have really – and recruiting a lot of the kids that we're trying to recruit for over, you know, maybe 12 months, 18 months. So we're trying to catch up with a lot of the recruiting that's going on at this time. Well, I hear that, folks. We're jumping out Jim Ingles here on the Boss Man Show. And, Coach, who are some coaches and individuals would you say had the greatest impact on you during your coaching career so far? Um, you know, one of the, one of the big – I mean, all the people that I worked for, uh, Tim Capstro, when I was – who's now uh, the radio uh, color analyst for uh, the, the Brooklyn Nets, uh, was the person who – you know, gave me the opportunity to start in coaching, which is really, in a lot of ways, when I look back and I think about how hard it is, uh, literally I get emails from people, uh, you know, a few emails a week about, you know, looking for, uh, looking for opinions on how to get into the business. Hey, can you help me out? So not just coming out of high school, coming out of college and, and getting the opportunity to get right into college coaching. I always obviously owe Tim so much uh, for a lot of things that he was able to do for me. And then uh, Don Harm, who I worked for at Ryder, um, was a big influence. And then Joe Jones was a huge influence as well, the person that I actually worked for at Columbia. Um, and then, uh, you know, I think when you're in a, a, a 
career or a profession, you, you, you look a lot of, at a lot of people outside that you may not have resources to, but I watch a lot of film and I watch a lot of different coaches and what they've done. And there've been a lot of people who've been able to help me, um, you know, learn about the business and, and continue to grow and improve. And, um, so there's a lot of different people who may not have, I've actually spoken with, but have, who've touched our program and touched what I've done. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been a lot of fun to learn different things from, from different people. And coach, when people watch your team play this season and beyond, what's the one thing you want them to take, take away from watching you guys play each night that you take the court? Yeah, um, you know, at NGIT, we were in such a – we had inherited a team that hadn't won any games, so we had to sort of develop a culture that of, of toughness and a develop of unselfishness. And the way we play offensively, I think sort of – if you watch us play, you would see some of those uh, tenants sort of come out. You know, the way we share the basketball, the way we assist on a lot of baskets – we shoot the ball very well. We're multi-dimensional in the way we played. So I really like to take a lot of those things that we that we sort of grew at NGIT and, and sort of transplant them and bring them along with us to Columbia. So um, you're going to see probably a, an offense and defense where there's a lot of different kids who play multi-positions. A lot of kids play. Um, you know, that team type of atmosphere where we share the basketball both offensively and we share we share our defensive assignments. So um, I think we've been able to develop a good culture, and, I, and I'd like to continue to do that as, as, we, as we start here at Columbia. And also, you got to our non-conference schedule as well. I know a lot of games probably have already been done for you for next season, uh, but going this next and beyond, when you had to take over yourself for scheduling-wise, how do you see, your, see yourself going about that? Do you want to have a tough non-conference schedule? Do you want for Ivy League play, or do you want to kind of get your guys some wins early to get them some confidence going into the conference play? So how do you think you approach non-conference going forward? Uh, yeah, I mean that's a great that's a great question because that is a huge that's a big piece of your development with your team. And at NJIT, we were able to you know we beat Michigan, we beat St. John's, uh, we beat Duquesne, so we beat some teams from some higher levels that were able to sort of solidify what we were doing and give us and, and allow us to grow our brand at NJIT, which allowed us now to to really become a little bit more of a um, a name within within the, the basketball world. So. You know, we'll do the same thing here at Columbia. We're going to play Seton Hall this year. We'll play Miami. Um, you know, there's some good reasons to play. Seton Hall is right across across the river from us, so I think it's a great opportunity for us to play against a, a team that's had a lot of success in the Big East. And then Miami's a great team because it's going to be right after Christmas, so our guys can get a chance to experience some of the warm weather and the beaches down there in Miami during during December. So, But we'll continue to, to you know, try to schedule up games like that and, you know, I think everybody loves to experience those games. I think the alums, I think the players, the parents, uh, myself, you know, when you walk out and you're playing huge arenas and you're playing against teams that are on TV every night, I think it's a lot of fun and it's a good motivational way to, to keep the guys in, intrigued and, and involved. So we'll continue to do that. And then we'll have, we have a lot of, um, I, because of our location in the Northeast and in New York City, there's a lot of teams that we can play and we'll try to continue to, to play those teams that we have some traditional rivalries with. And coach, did you like these these rules about the thirty second shot clock and the freedom of movement and it's less and less timeouts? Did you enjoy that? Do you see the one seeing it with the other rules maybe tweak the change going forward? Maybe like advancing the ball in less teams of the game or, you know, going to a quarter system rather than a half system. There's some things you may want to see them tweak going forward. Yeah, I I actually like it. When when I, we we took a trip to Europe, a lot of these rules are uh, actually European based. Um when we went to Europe we I experienced some of the rules that they had, and I really like the way they, they keep the flow of the game going. I like the 30-second shot clock. I don't think it should go anything below that because I think it would take away from 
from off, uh, some of the offenses that, uh, especially offense that we like to run, where we can, you know, we can move the ball. But I, I think the 30-second shot clock, it, it definitely showed that. Uh, I think offense, I think points scored per game went up, so I think it was good for the game. And I'd love to see some of those things, like maybe even a quarter. Like the women have just gone to the four quarters. I like that idea. You get some more situational play out of that, and and even like advancing the ball, just like you mentioned. So there's some things that I think can, can you can continue to improve. I think the freedom of movement um, was a is a good step in the right direction, and I, I think if we continue to focus on that, I, I definitely think it, it helps the flow of the offense. So uh, I like what they're trying to do, and I, hopefully we can continue to you know to investigate some of those things. Coach, for me, it's always been a, what's a blocking and what's a charge. I mean, it looks like a charge to me, but they call it a block like a charge. They call it like I, I, I just can't get that. That block charge call to me is a hard call basketball because like you just, it's just depend on depend on your angle is how you're gonna call it, and you know you just never know how they're gonna feel that day and say charge or a, a, a block. Is that something you always kind of have to wrestle with with your players? Kind of teach them like really this is how you need to do it so we get a charge or or get a block. Is that something you work on in practice every day trying to get them to get that rule just good so you won't get fouls called on you like that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, the referees have a tough job. I have to admit. I mean, some of those some of those they're so bang. There's such quick plays that happen, you know, in the in the heat, and especially at big times of games where these refs have to come up with these, you know, they have to come up with the call, and you have to trust the fact that uh, sometimes they're going to get it right and sometimes they're going to get it wrong. And my big belief is that a lot of this stuff just evens out in the end. So if you don't get a good call one game, you get a maybe you get a call that helps you out the next game. So. Um, we talk about that stuff in practice. My big thing uh, in regards to calls is just to tell the guys, hey, you know, it, sometimes it's not going to be perfect. How are we going to respond? You know, if we get a call against us at a bad time, are we going to respond and continue to keep ourselves in the game mentally? And, and we talk more about that than just the actual – we don't go back after the game and just look at, the, look at the play and say, hey, that was right or that was wrong. So we try to keep that mentality with our guys. Gotcha. Final question for you, Coach, is I want to get you to share my list. Was like, what has it been like a typical day for you since you've been the head coach at Columbia? I know it's been kind of crazy meeting people you probably had met junior in your first stint there, meeting alumni. So how's it been for you since you've been there? A typical day for you so far as being the coach of the Lions going forward? Uh, I think when you take over a program, it's extremely uh, – there's so many – there's not enough hours in the day to, to, to get everything done. Um, there's a lot – uh, at a place like Columbia, there's there's a heavy um, involvement with your alumni. There's a heavy involvement with uh, with people on campus. So because of the educational stuff, uh, you know, just the academic index, which is something where you have to you have to take into consideration how that their GPAs and and their SATs and their ACTs. So you need a lot of help with that stuff as you go through in financial aid. And so we've been meeting with a lot of different alums. We've been meeting with a lot of people on campus. It's it's been a it's been a very busy time for us, but it's been a lot of fun because I think when you're busy and you're getting things done, I think you obviously feel like you're you're learning and you're moving forward. So um, it's been like I'm on vacation right now, and uh, I'll be going into the office after I get off the get off the call with you because I need to take care of some stuff on campus. But in a lot of ways, it's it's just the nature of the business, and you just move, you just continue to do it, and uh, you know you got to be there for the kids, and you got to be there to continue to get the program better. So. It's it's really not a career. It's sort of like a, a it's it's something like it's a lifestyle, I guess. And I think you just get used to it. So it, it's been fun. And I, I really um, after eight years at NGIT, I think moving to Columbia and having the, the opportunity to do some different things now, I think, is 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 rewarding for me. Well, Coach Ingles, it's been a great to have you on the show today. I look forward to talking to you to get on the road. And I'll definitely be looking at the Columbia Lions more close this year because you've been a guest on the show here today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on. Have a great summer. You too, Coach. Thank you now. Take care.
All right, folks, let's coach English on the Boss Man Show. My Boss Man Show coming up next for you after the break. Jim Eagles of the Columbia Lions and Kyle Keller of Stephen F. Austin University. Now we're joined by Stony Brook C. Wolf, new head coach, uh, Jeff Bowles on the Boss Man Show. Coach Bowles, I hope you're having a great day so far, Coach. Doing great, my man. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome, Coach. Congrats on being named new coach of, of the Sea Wolves up there at Stony Brook University out there on Staten Island, Coach. You're on the island out there doing big things, Coach. What does it mean to you to get this program and put your own stamp on the community up there and on your university as well? Well, you know, it's, it's a pleasure to be able to do that. It's a pleasure to be able to do that. It's a pleasure to be able to do that. It's a pleasure to be able to do that. It's a pleasure to be able to do that. It's a pleasure to be able to do that. It's a pleasure to well, you know, it's, it's really exciting. Uh, I'd never been to Long Island before I took the job. And, you know, where Stony Brook is on the North Shore, you know, right by the water. And, and uh, you know, you're an hour from Manhattan, you know, an hour and a half from the Hamptons. You know, just a beautiful area and, uh, you know, a great campus. Yes, indeed. Is, is that kind of what, you know, uh, kind of got you to want to go there, just knowing the setup you have the, the, for, the, for the kids and, and your family? It's in a great spot. You can just enjoy, have all of the joys of life there on the island. I'll be I'll be honest with you, Jr. You know, when, I didn't know much about Stony Brook before I took the job, and the more research I did, you know, the the more intrigued I was. And and when I talked to the AD uh, Sean Hilburn, you know, he uh, he came from Oregon State. You know, he's got a big picture mentality, and you know, his passion, enthusiasm for the, the university really really uh, got me interested. And then, you know, once I came to campus uh, for the interview, you know, I love I love the area. It's a it's a brand new arena, brand new weight room. You know, it's a campus of about 22,000. You know, just had a lot of positives. And how's the community been treating so far, Coach, since you've been up there in, in the whole Stony Brook community up there? Really good. You know, it's that's one really, really good thing about this place is that the community really supports the university. And, you know, I think um, you know, the, the arena seats 4,000, and, you know, we average 3,800 fans, so it's almost a sellout every game. And, and, uh, you know, it's it's one of those deals where the community really embraces, you know, the university. Folks, Jim Bostoni, Seawolves head coach Jeff Bowles here on the Boss Man Show. Hey, Coach, when it comes to recruiting, what kind of guys do you want to target to bring into your program? And this also to that same point, how is the July period for you? Give me on the road to look at guys you want to bring in. So how is everything going for you in the recruiting aspect of things? Yeah, it's going well so far. We, you know, we, we can really recruit, you know, uh, pretty much nationally. I think, obviously, the tri-state area's got a lot of great players, and you know, like you mentioned, down in Atlanta, there's a lot of really good players. So it, it's a very good academic institution, um, and uh, you know, the fact that we're an hour from uh, Manhattan, 
you know, we're, we're right on the North Beach on Long Island. You know, the South Beach is 30 minutes away. There's a lot to offer, you know, from that standpoint. And, you know, July recruiting was good. It was good to see a lot of kids that we had been recruiting when I got here in April and, uh, you know, lay eyes on a lot of guys in the East and the Northeast. And, and uh, you know, now it's August uh, 1, so we'll, we'll be having kids visit campus and kind of show them what we're all about. And also, Coach, who are some coaching individuals in your career that has the biggest impact on you as you take this coaching job here at Stony Brook now? Well, I've, I've been very fortunate, JR, to work for some great head coaches. And, you know, the last seven years, uh, you know, working for Thad Mata has been, you know, an experience every single day. And, you know, not only how to run a program, but how to treat people and, and you know, just do it, do it the right way. Uh, worked for Keith Danbrock, University of Akron. Uh, Mark Schmidt, who's at St. Bonaventure now, uh, you know, worked for Greg White at Marshall University. Uh, so, you know, just a lot, a lot of really good coaches. Jason G, who's at Longwood University. So very successful guys and, and you know, really, really showed me how to run a, run a program the right way. Yes, indeed. I tell you what, Coach, those are some great, great names you named off there. I tell you that those guys all – Brought in guys I always watched and thought, dang, these guys are some great guys to have to be in the business. Because I've been around the coaching business as I have them so many years. It's like some guys are dirt balls. You know, they just are. But the guys you named, I've always heard great things about the guys that who you've named. And I just like, you know, you go work for great guys. And it's all something good to learn from guys who have a great integrity about them and great mindset to teach you the business of, of coaching. Yeah, you know, when you're coaching, you spend so much time together. Um, you know, on the court, off the court, and, you know, almost sometimes more than you spend with your own family. And when you work for, you know, I, I, I like to say work with, you know, people, you know, that, that are fun to be around that do it the right way and, and, you know, work hard and have a good time doing it, you know, it just makes things a lot better. Folks are joined by Jeff Bowles here on the Boss Man, showing the coach of Stony Brook up there on the North Shore of Long Island up there in New York. And coach, uh, how did the workouts go for your guys this summer? Uh, getting to see your guys kind of know what you have. Uh, did, did those go good for you? And did you enjoy getting them on the court those two hours this summer and seeing what you have have to go for this season? Yeah, very beneficial to have that rule, you know, taking over a program. And, you know, the top three players graduated. You know, Jamil Warning being the, uh, probably the best player ever to play here at Stony Brook. You know, he was the three-time league player of the year. Uh, he's going into the uh, Dallas Mavericks uh, training camp uh, here soon. Uh, so we lost our top three guys and, you know, have some good pieces coming back. And, you know, so it was good for me to, you know, lay eyes on them and get them out, work them out in the court. Uh, we had a couple kids that were injured when I took the job. So those guys are coming back, getting healthier. And, uh, you know, it's always good to see what you have and, and, you know, start implementing, you know, what you want to do in the summertime. And speaking to that coach, to people watch your team play this year and beyond, what is it you want them to take away from watching your guys play every night? Well, I think, you know, play the right way and play with effort. You know, the two, the two things I've been preaching constantly are a- attitude and effort. And, um, you know, the, the guys here uh, last year was the first time they've ever been to the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, lost to Kentucky in, in uh, the first round. And, you know, we, we want to, you know, go, go far beyond that. And, and you look at the Middle Tennessee State, Arkansas, Little Rock, teams like that, uh, you know, when you get to the tournament, anything can happen. And, you know, when you get confidence, you know, they, they beat Michigan State, and uh, you know, I think it's it's one of those deals where, you know, when you see your name pop up on the screen on Selection Sunday, that's what it's all about. Oh, yes, indeed. And I know Coach, Coach Davis, MTSU, personally, he's a great guy, and he always coaches those guys that are real, real nice down there in Murfreesboro for MTSU. 
you know, did a, did a great job. And, you know, that's the, that's the beauty of college basketball. I mean, so much parity nowadays and, you know, all these kids play AU together. So there, there's no, you know, fear factor, or, you know, the, you know who you're playing against and played against them in AU or high school, whatever. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the neat thing about college basketball. Now, also as a new coach, coach, you always have to worry about those like, non-conference scheduling games. I know next year's probably already done for you this season coming up. But going forward after this year, how do you see yourself scheduling those games for, for your stat squad? Do you want to go kind of get them some good wins at home? Or do you want to go out and test yourself on the road and try to get them ready for conference play going forward? Well, it's, a, it's amazing, you know, when Jamil Warney graduates, you know, who was a three-time player of the year. Nobody wanted to play him before, but now everybody's uh, down my phone. You know, knowing that he's not going to be here trying to play you, but uh, you know that's the beauty. You know, you you can kind of control who you play and what you play, and you know, obviously, the more home games you have, you know, the better record you're going to be. You know, that's why you see all the high major teams, you know, with, that buy games and have all these, you know, twelve or thirteen home games in non-conference, and and uh, you know, play their eight or nine, you know, home games. You know, they're, they're, some of these guys are playing nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two home games. You know, at this level, you know, you're lucky to. You know, probably get half your uh, non-conference at home, and if you do, you know you got to win them. So you want to play a competitive schedule to prepare you, uh, but a lot of times it comes down to you know the last three days in 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 uh, March in the conference tournament. But you want to prepare yourself as best as possible. Yes, indeed. And coach, uh, did you like the rule changes last year for the thirty-second shot clock, the freedom of movement, and the four timeouts? You want to see maybe some instances where you have four quarters, maybe advance the ball at the end of the, end of the game. Other things you want to, you want to see them maybe do with the block charge. Just want to get your opinion on that, coach. Yeah, you know, I think the game's ever evolving and changing, and you know, it's it's a tough. Though. You know, it's got to be one of the toughest jobs in America to be a, a Division One basketball referee. Uh, these guys are so athletic and physical and. You know, the, I know the rules committee is trying to do the, the best interest of the game and change some things. And I think eventually it'll evolve to, you know, four quarters. I think pretty much, you know, every league in, in America and in the world, you know, has four quarters except for, you know, Division One men's basketball. And, you know, the women, you know, changed theirs last year and, and with the timeouts and, you know, advancing the basketball and, you know, kind of creates, you know, some excitement at the end of games, you know, running the side out of bounds, you know, to get a three-point shot off instead of a full-court, you know, play at the buzzer. So I think it'll change here in the next few years and go go that route. And I also think, Coach, with the four quarters, that kind of helps alleviate the loss of that timeout because you get extra timeout at the end of the quarter break anyway. So kind of it helps with the loss of that extra timeout you want to have with the five. Yeah, it gives you an extra timeout and, and, you know, allows you to kind of, you know, rest some guys, you know, and, you know, the NBA has got a great rotation going. You know exactly when you're going out of the game and, you know, when the next guy's coming in just to get a rotation going. So uh, I think that way, you know, it is beneficial as well. And final question for you, Coach. Notice that when you're a new head coach, it's, it's a whirlwind. It's crazy. So if you could, Coach, share with us what a typical day was for you since you've been the head coach at Stony Brook going forward. Like, I, I know it's been crazy for you, but you can just give a little bit of insight of how has it been for you with meetings and meeting alumni on campus. How has it been for you? You know, it's funny It's funny you mention that. I, you know, you can go to all these symposiums you want. And, you know, I was I was in the Villa 7, you know, where they talk about you know trying to prepare to be a head coach and, They'll bring guys who are first-year head coaches in to talk about, you know, what what the first few weeks are. But until you actually go through it and sit in that chair, you know, it, it's a complete whirlwind in, in a good way. And you know, when I, when I took this job, you know, they, they had 
head coach for three weeks. So you immediately got to get to know your team that's on campus. You know, those are your biggest recruits and, you know, build trust and build, you know, just, you know, great synergy with those guys. And, you know, you're trying to meet as many people in the community and, and you know, you're doing workouts, you got to do recruiting. Uh, so you just put on a lot of different hats. And you know, I told Coach Mata the other day, I'd be a way better assistant coach, you know, right now, having been a head coach for three months, you know, just by sitting in this chair. And, you know, it's exciting. I think anytime you get a chance to run your own program and put your stamp on it, you know, it's, it's, it was a dream of mine to be a division one head coach and, and, uh, you know, really excited about the opportunity. Yes, indeed. With Coach Bowles, we're there for, there for he got ahead from the Circle Day coach. And I look forward to looking at your team this year. Hopefully, you can get a game down in this way in Georgia, close to Atlanta, hopefully. But I'll definitely be looking at your team this year, and I'll definitely have you on down the road, Coach, as well. Hey, Jay, I appreciate the time, my man. No problem, Coach. Folks, that was Coach Bowles here on the Jared the Boss Man Show. Come next for you is the Boss Report after the break. I wear a mean dark pair of shades. And you can't see my eyes unless my head is bent. You dig? Jim Ingles. So we got that number, but you guess what, people? I got a surprise for you. Ain't heard him in a while, but he's back. My man from Memphis, Mudshots Cordova, Trust Us Records, <laughs> to like it is show, the one only, J.C. Smith. What's good, bro? Yeah, it's been a long time, boss. What's happening? No much. We're on the ATL chilling, bro, getting ready for Falcons football. Going to be doing some Titans football this week. So, football's back, bro. It's, t- it's almost time for the NBA, too. For sure, man. I'm excited, man. It's the best time of the year coming up. Like I said, NFL camp's going on right now. Man, NBA season right around the corner. Let's get it, man. No doubt. Folks, you've been waiting on it. It's time for it. It's here. It's the box report. Bro, first story. Men arrested after creating meth lab under the Walmart parking lot. Man, I thought meth was like <laughs> like a thing of the past. Like, wasn't that like Breaking Bad that that uh that show you to come on? Like Breaking Bad, it went off like two years ago, man. People, you mean to tell me there's people still cooking meth out there in, in yes. New York? Yes, in New York. Man, like I thought meth was like something like. In West Virginia, you know, what I'm saying? <laughs> like that, man. Like they doing meth in New York? Oh, it's crazy. Well, get this: naked Florida man is arrested after firing apples, oranges, limes, 
water minerals and plums and unsuspecting customers of the best spy from the roof. Hmm. Okay. That's it. Now, Florida. Now, like, those are, those are key ingredients for a boss report. Alright? You gotta have the state of Florida in there to really, really make it a boss report type of story. And you said my guy was a fruit, he was a fruit sniper. Is that what you tell me? <laughs> yes, he was. And naked, and doing naked from the roof. Wow. Wow. He might have been on that mail from New York. You know what I'm saying? He might have had the mail. And, and he was doing his thing on the roof there, man. So, you know, I'm putting two and two together right now. Exactly. I mean, you never know when the ball is poured. And New Jersey woman arrested after searching for Pokemon in a cemetery and getting stuck in a tree. Hey, man, let me tell y'all, this Pokemon Go is not what's up. It's going to get y'all hurt. Man, I had like a couple weeks ago... Late at night, yeah, I know it's the kids running in my yard. You know how close they came to being some dead kids? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, y'all can't just be running all willy-nilly up in folks' yards looking for Pikachu. You know what I'm saying? Pikachu is going to get y'all messed up around here. I'm just, I'm waiting on the fad to die down. Like, but if you're a grown-ass man and you're playing Pokemon Go, like, kill yourself, man. Like, what, what are you doing? You, you know what I'm saying? Life. I ain't like, yeah, I ain't even like Pokemon when it was out in the late 90s at the cartoon. You know what I'm saying? Y'all, you 35 years old, you playing Pokemon Go? Like, on the daily? Like, kill yourself. Like, for real, man. Exactly. And Florida crazies. Florida man is arrested when cops mistake Krispy Kreme donut glaze for crystal meth. There you go. I told you. I knew I knew Crystal Meth from Florida was going to find their way together. I knew it, man. Now, now, okay. Now, if you told me that Krispy Kreme, they put Crystal Meth in them donuts, I might believe that. Because when that hot light goes on at Krispy Kreme, bruh, it is too good. What They putting something illegal in those donuts, man. Like, you are, you turn into a real fiend. For Krispy Kreme donuts, bro. Like, if you told me there's meth in there, I believe it. Exactly. This happened right in my backyard, bro. Georgia man arrested after being called slinging that white white powder naked in front of McDonald's. I mean, we well, you know it's like boss is high outside, man. You know, the temperatures across the country during the summer are at record highs. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Don't you, anybody got time to put clothes on and, and, and sell drugs at the same time? Come on now. Exactly. Come on, bro. You know what I'm saying? Give, give my guy a break, man. Hi. This is, this is going to be real good. Florida man arrested after ditching son in police chase because, quote, he couldn't keep up. Hey, man, everybody knows, hey, in the police chase, every man for themselves. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Every man for themselves, man. Like I, I'm not mad at this story at all, man. If, if I'm in that position, I, I probably go the same route. You know what I'm saying? Hey, sorry, son. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was either, hey, it was either me or you. It was either me or you. All right, for real. Man. I'm not mad. I'm not mad at this story at all, man. Arizona parents arrested after leaving two-year-old home to go catch Pokemon and some, quote, emotion lotion. All right. So, obviously, like I said, everything is coming together right now, Paul. Obviously, there was some crystal meth involved. 
Alright, you got your Pokemon Go. It's just a bad combination, man. Anytime that you you, you on drugs, you high, you playing Pokemon Go, you're gonna make terrible parenting decisions. And, and you're gonna get you're gonna pay the cost for it. I agree. I agree. This is this is a story why he is very scary on many levels. Florida woman arrested after lighting boyfriend on fire without letting her smell his sack and get her any drugs. Wow. Wow. Hey, man. Like, they, they've gone from snipping it off to burning it off now. Lighting your ass on fire. Hey, man. Y'all, fellas, you gotta be careful, man. You know, you gotta choose. Choose the right one. Make your next move your best move, man. Choose the right one or not. You're gonna have third degree burns, man. It's not gonna be a good look. Exactly. And. A Texas man is arrested after shoving breastfeeding baby out the way so, quote, he can enjoy the, the, the light of the breast milk. Hey, man, that's another story I'm, I'm not I'm not that mad at because it's like, there was plenty of times when, when my son was a baby, you know, and I see my wife breastfeeding him, you know what I'm saying? Hey, that, that looks pretty good. It looks, you know, it, look, it looks pretty good. So I was like, hey, you know, I was getting a little, little, little jealous over here. Like, hey, you know, you know, can I get one and get the other one? You know what I'm saying? Like, can, can, we, can we work something out? <laughs> you know? Exactly. I understand the Texas man. I get him. I get him as well. I'm right there with him. Now, here we go. Now, we went from myth to something else. Florida man on Molly arrested after saying he was, quote, Waving machete because he was quote chasing ghosts trying to find the sun and get money. Mm. Maybe he saw the new movie Ghostbusters, man. You know, and just you know, they thought thought he even wanted to make another movie, uh, Ghostbusters too. You know what I'm saying? So I saw that movie by the way, Ghostbusters. I ain't like it at all, man. If you haven't seen it yet, wait till it come out on DVD. Don't don't spend your money on get the movies to go see Ghostbusters. It, it was totally whack, man. Hey, I will, not, I will not go see. I'll take your advice. I will not yeah. go see that movie. Wow, yeah, but shout out to the black chick though. The black chick in the movie, Leslie Leslie Jones. She from she from Memphis, man. Yeah, shout out to the one on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, shout out to her. Though. Another story right here in my backyard. Georgia woman arrested after being busted robbing men. She goes to see as an escort. Hmm. Man, that's, that's a tough one, man. How fine is she, though? Not very. You know what I'm saying? Not very. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. They need to lock her up for like 20 years because <laughs> if you find, like, you can get away. Of course, you know, ladies get away with stuff depending on how they look. But, like, if you a fine-ass escort and you sticking up folks, eh, you know, like, if, if it's just like a little, you know, petty cash, a couple of honey or something, she take it. I love slide, man. But if she ugly... And you got the nerve to steal from somebody? Oh, you gotta, you gotta get life. You gotta get life. Twenty years top. Exactly. And Florida man arrested after beating the brakes off wife, but saying her previous boyfriends had a bigger Johnson. Hey man, it's a touchy subject, man. You know, as men, you know, our ego, our pride, we're very territorial. You know, like. Like that, that, that does something to you. You know what I'm saying? It, it does something to you. We don't do nothing to me because I got the biggest Johnson in the world, folks. I ain't tripping. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, don't comment on that. 
<laughs> well, this Alabama man may need your help, brother. Alabama man in skeleton costume and a cop arrested. I'm still in get this erectile dysfunction pills from GNC. Hey, man, those GNC pills don't work, okay? <laughs> they rip y'all off in GNC. Alright, that don't work at all, man. Like, man, you, you really waste your time. You're trying to try jack some out of GNC. Think it's gonna help you, help you, Johnson. There, you know what I'm saying, man. Hey, but I got something, man. I got something for you. I'll let you, boy. You know what I'm saying. But also, how to get in contact with me if y'all need something out there, man. I got, I got something that's gonna get you right. Y'all know how to get at me. Holler at BostonRadioShow.com and I'll forward it to my man JC. He got you covered. I got the plug. I got the plug. Well, here we go. Florida woman arrested after chasing man with a hatchet because he won't have sex with her and he won't rub her feet. You know what, boss? I actually, I always say I never hear any about any of these stories that be going on, but I actually have heard that one. I've heard that one before. All right. Hey, man, you know, a, a woman's got to have it, man, by any means necessary. You know what I'm saying? But for her to go to that, those type of measures, that lets you know that she probably, she probably look like, what's up? Uh, the one show used to come on, man, uh, with a little fat girl, uh, Honey Boo Boo. Oh, yeah, that horrible. Remember, you remember Honey Boo Boo's mom? Yeah. How she looked? I bet you, I bet you anything, yeah, that's this lady in that story, she probably looks kind of like Honey Boo Boo's mom. Exactly. Not good. Two Wisconsin men arrested after crashing car after playing Pokemon Go and stroking themselves to an adult film. Whoa, that's just too much going on, man. Like, either you're going to have to do one or the other, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? You already know Pokemon Go enough alone is dangerous. You know what I'm saying? Then you're going to add, you're going to add stroking your Johnson to it also at the same time? Exactly. That's just too much going on, man. That's, not, that's definitely not safe. Exactly. And final story for you is, bro. Florida bears on the run after busting out of captivity, making house calls and chilling in trees. So you tell me Florida got bears now? Yes, they do. A lot of them. When did they get bears, man? Like, I've heard so many animals in Florida I never thought were down there in that area. Like, Florida has panthers. Where, yes. where the hell do they get panthers from in Florida? So you got alligators, bears, and panthers? Yeah. Like, what's really going on? I'm never going to Florida ever again. Like, you can be killed by so many things down there now. Think about this, bro. It's, it's on the water. They can easily be shipped to Florida, off the boat, and they, 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 they in Florida. But bears, you know, the Everglades and all the forests in Florida, the bears love that stuff. That's crazy, man. That's crazy, dog. I'm sticking. I'm staying right here in Memphis. Well, all I gotta worry about is the dog. <laughs> all I gotta worry about is the neighbor's dog. That's it. Well, I could say in, in Atlanta now we got gators in Atlanta now too. We find out gators in the river and in the lakes around Atlanta. Well, are they are they are they sweet gators or the gay gators down there in Atlanta? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but they are chomping asses. I must say. There's been seven gator instances this summer in Georgia already with gators. Wow. That's crazy, man. Yep, staying right here in Memphis, man. <laughs> no place a- like home. 
bruh. We're closing off support tonight. What is your take on the report you guys heard, man? Man, hey, I think these might this might even be the best ball support ever, man. Like, I'm so in tune with these crazy stories now. Like at first, I was like, what? Huh? Get out of here. You can't be serious. But now, like, I realize that these are actual facts, actual reality. And I can comment on these stories, no problem now, man. So, so boss, I want to thank you for bringing these crazy-ass stories into my life. <laughs> so now you can be like, oh, this is everyday life here in Florida. Exactly. Or it's what happens in life now, you know? It's how it goes down, man. So, yeah, man, before we go, man, tell the people about what you got going on at and down at Mugshots Cordova, your show, what you getting, stuff you got coming up for the people. Man, I got a lot of things bubbling uh, coming up for the fall, uh, for the rest of the year, man. Of course, you know, doing the show, man, 730 Yahoo Sports, trying to bring the football show back. Uh, I got some things going on with 88.5 now, man. Of course, you still got uh, Mugshots, it has been the Mugshots, man. Best karaoke in the city, best karaoke party in the city, man. We were voted Best in Black Award 2016 for Best Club or Lounge in the city of Memphis, man. We, we made the final the final list for that, man. So that's a really good look. That's a very uh, big award there here in the city, man. So we just doing big things here in, here in Memphis, boss. You know what I'm saying? So we try to get my guy, the boss man, to come back to the city, man, so we can wreck shop. Hey, soon degrees put out their schedule that I'll, I'll know when I'll be down there, man. Soon degrees put their schedule out. I can make some ma- marks some days. I got to holler at my new best friend, bro, Mike Conley. <laughs> man, you you and mine. That's my best friend also, dog. So, 150 million for Mike Conley? For Mike Conley. Oh, my God, man. The highest paid to win the leagues in Memphis. <laughs> That's crazy, man. Like, I... Mike, I love Mike Conley. Well, Mike Conley ain't no $150 million player. I'm sorry. Now, now $120, $100 million, yeah. But $150, get out of here, man. Think about this. The Greens got three max dudes on the roster. Who would have thought that would happen about the new CBA? Three max guys on the Greens roster. Who would have thought? Uh, you know, yeah. God bless America, Sam Young to avoid the luxury tank back in the day was pissed off Lionel Hollins. Man, I'm telling you, man, I should have been a point guard, bro. Yes, you should have. You, you should have. Hey, they can still sign you to a 10-day contract, bro. You know, if they sign Tony Rowe, they definitely sign you. Man, Chris Wallace, how is your boy, man? Let me let me get all these like fifty thousand. Let me pay off these student loans and and these uh these folks calling, man. Let me pay these bills off, and I, like I said, I'll be good. Give me fifty thousand, man. That's all I need, man. Get Sally May off my ass, man. Come on. Hey, say, since, hey, send me your, your tape to cwildsandbitches.com. Send, send, send me your tape. He'll get it. <laughs> but, hey, hey, man, I got that old man Zach Randolph post-up game. I can't duck no more. All right? But I can get you buckets, man. I can get you buckets and rebounds, man. Help, help boy out. Help boy out. Hey, Grizz, if you need a new PA announcer, holler at your boss, man. Ooh. I, I got you. I got you. If you need a new pay announcer, I think you may do. I'll, I'll actually move from Atlanta and come to Memphis to do that job for the next year. I promise you I will. Too soon. Too soon, Bob. Hey, I'm sorry. I'm just, hey, according to what I read, the, the, the former guy's been fired, so it's opening, right? 
Yeah, yeah, technically, yeah. That's so, the opposite, man. so I'm not <laughs> can't pay for another man's job. It's open, technically, as of today. So, that being said, hey, I'm available. I can do the job. Hey, man. <laughs> hey, brother, all I'm going to say is shoot your shot. <laughs> shoot your shot, man. Hey, chicken in for the Grizzlies, number 50, Zach Randolph. <laughs> You got the job, bro. You sound just like <laughs> you got the job, bro. Exactly. In the culture of Grizzlies, Dave Fisdale. You in there? Hey, can I do it now, bro? Can I? Can, you in? You in? You want me to be the new Grizz announcer? You in? You want me that, bro? You in? Hey, man. Hey, hey, dog. From from your mouth to to today to the Grizz ears, man. I hope I hope you get it, dog. I really do. No doubt. No doubt. Well, folks. Been a great show for you this week, man. My man JC Spiller about the show with us, man. Look here. Thanks to Jeff Bowles, Kyle Keller, Jim Ingles, JC Smith, my man. Hey, bro. See you real soon, bro. Thank you as always, bro. It's been a great week on the Boss Man Show. Catch us next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. We out. And if you don't know, now you know.